when Mahatma Gandhi was the spiritual leader of India, he was asked a question. The question was asked by uh, missionaries, Christian missionaries, and they asked, what is the greatest hindrance to the gospel uh, in India? What is the greatest hindrance to the, the spreading of the gospel in India? This is what he said, one word answer, Christians. What is the greatest hindrance to the spreading of the gospel in India? And Gandhi said, Christians. Let that sink in for just a minute. What does that mean? As followers of Jesus Christ, we are having an impact on the world. Whether we realize it or not, we are impacting the world as followers of Jesus. We are either helping people follow Jesus or we are hindering them from following Jesus. We are helping people get closer to Christ or we are pushing people away from him by the way that we live, by the way that we act, by the things that we say and the things that we do. We are either having a positive impact for Jesus Christ or we are having a we are giving people a negative image of Jesus Christ. And not just as individuals, but as a church. What is our church saying about Jesus to our community? What is our church saying about Jesus to our world? What kind of an impact are we having? Are we helping people follow Jesus or are we not? That is the mission and the vision that we have here at Griffith First Christian Church is to help people follow Jesus. That is what we're about. That is what we want to do. We want to help people who don't know Jesus start following him. People who are following him, we want to help them follow them better, follow him better. People who are uh, following Jesus, we want to help people get sold out and fully surrendered and fully devoted to Jesus Christ. That he takes precedent over everything. That Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. That is what our goal is. That is what our vision is. That is what our mission is. And the question is, are we doing our job? Are we helping people follow Jesus? Or are we, uh, are we fulfilling our mission? Or are we failing at our mission? That is the question that I have for us this morning. That is the question I want to answer here at the dawn of a new year at GFCC. It's the dawn of a brand new year. And it's time for a revolution. It is time for... For a revolution. It is no longer good enough to come and sit in a pew for 60 minutes a week and to sit in a pew each Sunday and to check your faith at the door and to leave and just act like nothing happened or that nothing matters. Uh, it, to come in and, and hang up your coat and, and take off your faith and put it on and sit here for a week as a Christian and then take off your faith, hang it back up while you put on your coat and walk out the door. It's not good enough to be a Sunday morning only Christian. It's not good enough to sit in a pew once a week. It's not good enough to come uh, maybe a couple of times a week. It's not good enough. It's, it's, not, it's not good enough to be content to keep our faith within these four walls. It's not good enough. It's not acceptable to leave our faith at the door and to be a Sunday only Christian. We are the body of Christ. We are called to live out our faith each and every day, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day, in every way, we live out our faith. We walk the walk, we walk the talk that we talk, we live out our faith. We do not just sit back and go, oh well, it's no big deal. 
Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, and he is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. He is to be the Lord of everything that we do. We are called to live out our faith each and every day. We are called, my friends, to be the church. Can you say that with me? Be the church. One more time. Be the church. That is what our vision is. That is what our mission is uh, here in 2015. Our theme for the year of 2015 is to be the church. You see, the church is not a building. The church is not a building that we come to once or twice a week, maybe for worship and Bible study. The church is not a building. The church is not an activity. It's not something that we go to. The church is not an activity. The church is not a service that we attend in order to hear a message or sing songs. We are the church. We are called to do more than just sing a few songs, take communion, give an offering, hear a message, uh, pack up and go home. It is more than just coming to a building once or twice a week. We are the church. We are called to a mission. We are called to a purpose. This is more than a place. It is more than a service. It is more than an activity that we do. The church is who we are as the body of believers. We are the church. We are called to be the church, not to do church activities. We are not called to go to a building. We are not called to sit through a service or sit through a sermon. We are more than that. It is time for a revolution to be the church to lost and hurting people, to be the church to people who are far from God, to help people follow Jesus, to help people get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to help people get to the point where they are fully surrendered and following Jesus every day of their lives, Monday through Saturday as well as Sunday, not just Sunday mornings, but every day of the week, that when we go to work, we're going to be a Christian. We're going to be a follower of Jesus. When we are in our homes, we are going to be a follower of Jesus. When we are out in our community, we are going to be a follower of Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't <laughs> Jesus doesn't hang out here waiting for you to come back every Sunday. He's not like sitting here going, man, I wonder where did everybody go? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus is with you everywhere you go. Think about that. Everywhere you go. Jesus is with you. Everything you say, Jesus hears. Everything you do, Jesus sees. Every thought you think, Jesus knows. He is with us everywhere we go. And we like that thought. We like the thought that Jesus is with us, like when we're going through a hard time. God is with me. Jesus is with me. But when we're doing things that, like, don't please him, when we are sinning, like, willy-nilly, we don't like that thought that Jesus is there going, dude, what are you doing? That the Holy Spirit is dwelling in our hearts all the time. Everything we say, do, think, Holy Spirit's there. Jesus is there wherever we go. We are called to be 24-7, 365 followers of Jesus, not just on Sunday mornings. And we are the church. We are the body of believers and it is, like I said, it is time for a revolution. The, 
world needs to see us being the church and to live out the gospel and to demonstrate the love of Christ everywhere we go in everything that we do because the world needs the love of Christ they need to see it from Christ's people the world needs to see and experience Christ's love in us they need to know that God loves them they need to know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them we need to show them that not just tell them that scream it from the top of our lungs hey world Jesus loves you what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Then whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He did something. He gave his son. He demonstrated his love. He loves the world in this way that he sent his one and only son. The people of our world need to see the gospel lived out each and every day of our lives. They need us to be the church. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about a revolution. I won't sing the Beatles song, although I love that. But Say you want a revolution. I said I wouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. The song goes to my I can't help it. But the revolution starts today. The focus of 2015 is going to be, be the church. Because that's what we are called to do. Not to just go to church, not to just do church activities, but to be the church to a lost and hurting world. So grab your Bible because the revolution starts right now. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 is where we are today. It is the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to start this revolution by focusing on Jesus's words from Matthew chapter 5. It's a short passage, yes, but it has a huge meaning. Uh, so grab your Bible, grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 to the handy dandy outline. And uh, you can take some notes if you'd like. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 is where we are. Jesus said, he's talking to his followers here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who's in heaven. The first thing Jesus says is that we are the salt of the earth. We are salt. Now, in Jesus' day, one of the major purposes of salt, one of the main purposes of salt, was to cure and preserve meat. They would rub salt into the meat in order to keep it from decaying. Meat without salt would decay much faster than meat without salt. So they would rub the salt in the meat to, per, to cure it and to preserve it. The way that they would get salt in his day is that they would go to a salt marsh and they would take the salt water out of the, the marsh and they would uh, let the water evaporate and leaving behind salt. But it would also leave behind a number of impurities. And so you would have to separate the salt from the impurities. If, the, if there were too many impurities in the salt, and it wasn't just pure salt, then it wasn't good for anything. And what they would do is they would take it and they would put it on their roofs. Now, in Jesus' day, on the roof of your house, they would often they, they were dirt roofs, and uh, they would grow grass. And they would use the salt that they would throw away onto the grass to fertilize the grass, as well as to seal cracks uh, and to waterproof the roof of the house. And now, 
Roofs were also gathering places. People would gather on the roof of the house and you'd kind of have like a little party up there. And so people would literally walk and trample on the salt that had been thrown away. So when Jesus says that what good is salt that loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be trampled on by men. That's exactly what he's talking about. That's what they would literally do is trample on the salt uh, on the roof of the house. Now, though the salt was serving a purpose on the roof of the house, it was not serving its true purpose. It was not fulfilling its true purpose, which was to preserve and cure meat. And it would also flavor meat as well. Speaking of flavoring, I need three volunteers. Three volunteers. Just Sandy, I need two more volunteers. Kristen, come on up, Packer fan. Rogers. Love the jersey, by the way. I wasn't going to say nothing. I'm going to say nothing because I don't talk about my, my, my Green Bay Packers during services because uh, when I do, they lose. Uh, so uh, that's my own thing. Okay. All right. Uh, does anybody have a peanut allergy? No? Oh, good. Great. All right. Fantastic. Who likes potato chips? All do? Okay. Who wants potato chips? There's potato chips there. There's pretzels there. And there's peanuts here. Okay. So you're going to take pretzels? You're going to take peanuts. Okay. Now, I want you – there's three uh, three types of food. There are two bowls of each, okay? There's bowl A, bowl B, bowl A, bowl B, bowl A, bowl B. Say that five times fast. So go ahead and, and, and reach into bowl A and, and, and sample what's there, the peanuts, the pretzels. That, that's bowl B. That's bowl B. I'm sorry. That's bowl A. I'm sorry. Uh, my writing is atrocious. So, okay. So bowl A, take a, take a little taste of that. And, and, and what do you think? Hmm dry these pretzels are making me thirsty any seinfeld friends no? okay okay go ahead and take a drink of water all right so take a drink wash that down okay a little dry blah a little bland okay now reach into bowl b and 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 take a a, a, a sample and we'll see what you think of that very good that's what it's supposed to taste like Right on. Okay. All right. You can take your your your. Uh, the difference between <laughs> you can take them with you if you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, the di yeah, and, and everyone's like, yeah, bring it back over here, dude. So, <laughs> come on, Packer fan. All right. See the difference between bowl A and bowl B. Bowl A had no salt. You know how hard it is to find salt-free potato chips. You know why it's so hard to find them? Because nobody wants them. That's why nobody wants saltless. But could you imagine a world without salt? I mean, for just a second, think, what would McDonald's French fries taste like without salt? Ah, uh, don't. I don't want to live in this alternate dimension, this horrible place with no salted French fries at McDonald's. Or movie theater popcorn. Could you imagine going to the movies and paying eight and a half bucks for a small thing of popcorn with no salt on it? Why? Why would I do? Well, why would I pay eight and a half bucks for popcorn anyway? It's cost like 15 cents. It's such a deal. It's such a bargain. No, it's not. Um, or, or maybe like, or, or like the potato chips with no salt on them. Why? See, salt makes things taste better. Salt still preserves and cures meat. They still use salt. I, when I make a steak on the grill in the summertime, oh, summer. <laughs> Where are you? When I make a, a steak, I, I salt it. All right, I put salt on that meat because it tastes so good. A ribeye, thick, boneless, marbled. Oh, love. Best cut of meat there is. Um, sorry, I'm hungry. 
I don't know about you all. I didn't try any of those chips. Um, salt makes things better. Salt makes the world better. We are called the salt of the earth. We are to make the world better. We are to be preservative in this world. We are to act as preservatives in a morally decaying world. You see, the world is full of decaying and dying people. The world is full of people who are morally bankrupt and, and, and they're dying in their sins. And we can be the salt of the earth. We can act as preservatives in their lives because people need salt in their lives. They need us to be salt, to be salt. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. This is who you are. Be the salt of the earth. We can act as preservatives. We can live humble lives in a world that's full of pride. We can be peacemakers in a world full of hostility and hate. We saw hate and hostility in our world this week. In Paris, hostages taken, massacre. And it's full of, the world is full of hate and hostility and violence. We can be peacemakers. We can be pure in heart in a world that's full of filth and disgustingness. Is that a word? It's a word now. Disgustingness. Our world is filthy and disgusting and we can be pure in heart. And if we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to be salt, the salt of the earth, then we're worthless, Jesus says. We're absolutely worthless. If we're not fulfilling our purpose and fulfilling our mission and doing what he's called us to do, then we're worthless. We may as well be thrown out. We're not even good enough to be thrown on the, on the ice to melt the sun, to melt the ice. If we will not be salt as Christians, and if we will not be salt as a church, then we are worthless to the kingdom, and we should be thrown away. We have to live out our faith each and every day. We need to be Jesus to this world and not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We, we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Have you heard that before? We need to be living in this world, demonstrating and, and being the salt of the earth without being impacted negatively by the world. To change the world. To be the church. We have to impact our world more than they're impacting us. And let's face it, we're losing the battle. We need to be salt to this world. We shouldn't look at the things that they look at. We shouldn't say the things that they say. We shouldn't do the things that they do. We need to impact our world by the way that we live. By being salt. To be the salt of the earth. Are we impacting the world in a positive way? That's the question. Craig Keener was an atheist until 1975. He's an author, and uh, he wrote a commentary on Matthew. And this is what he says in there. He goes, uh, until his conver conversion in 1975, he was an atheist. And this is why. He said, because I looked at the roughly 85% of my fellow U.S. citizens who claimed to be Christians and could not see that their faith genuinely affected their lives. I reasoned that if, if even Christians did not believe in Jesus' teachings, why should I? That's pretty condemning. If we don't live out our faith, if we don't live out the teachings of Jesus, if we don't uh, act like salt to this world, then how salty are we? If we're not making a positive impact, how salty are we? Are we making a difference in this world as the hands and the feet of Jesus? That is what he's called us to be, the hands and the feet, to impact the world in a positive way for Jesus Christ. We are not very salty. 
If we don't take the gospel outside of these four walls, we are not very salty. We are useless salt. If we can't get the gospel outside of this building, then we are useless and worthless to the cause of Christ. We got to do better. We got to be the church. Jesus says that not only are we the salt of the earth, but we are the light of the world. We are also the light of the world. In those days, cities were built on hills. He says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. They would build cities on hills. And the reason they would do that is, well, for a variety of reasons, military purposes. But one of the things about a city built on a hill, uh, they would build them out of limestone, out of gleaming white limestone. And when the sun would hit those limestone buildings, they would give off a glow. You could see them for miles. You could see them way off in the distance, these gleaming cities uh, on hills. And so Jesus says that there's no hiding the city. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Even at night, when they would light torches in the streets and lamps in their homes, it would still give off a glow. When we were traveling on vacation, we were coming back home. Uh, we were headed into Macon, Georgia one evening. And uh, as we approached Macon, you could see the, the, the glow of the city in the sky. Miles away, before we ever entered into the city, we could see the glow of the lights. Uh, we see it here uh, as we look towards Chicago. We can see the, the glow of the, the city uh, from far away. There's no hiding the city. In those days, people's homes were one-room dwellings. They lived in a house that only had one room, and so they only needed one lamp. And they would take a lamp, and it was a lamp that was filled with olive oil, and it had a wick, and it would, they would light the wick, and it would give off light for the whole house. And Jesus says, why would you take that lamp and put it under a, a, a in the old children's song, of hide it under a bushel? No. A bushel basket or a bushel bowl uh, could hold about two and a half gallons worth of wheat or grain. It was used to measure out grain, and, and uh, it, they would... Uh, put grain in it and he says why would you take that bowl and, and put it over a lamp and why would you hide the light of the lamp it doesn't give off light and it's no good a, a lamp under a bowl is no good for anyone or anything that's not serving its true purpose that's not serving its true mission a lamp under a large bowl is worthless just like salt that loses its saltiness it's worthless just like christians who don't live out their faith we're worthless. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. We need to let our light shine through the good deeds that we do. We are to shine our lights for Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God promised that he would send his son, the Messiah. And in Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And then in Isaiah 49, 6, he wrote, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God promised that he would send the Messiah who would be the light for the world, the light to the Gentiles and, and to the Jews as well. We are to reflect the light of Jesus Christ in everything that we say and in everything that we do. People need to believe. They need to hear the gospel. They need to see it lived out. They need to believe in the one who died for their sins. So they can put their faith in him and, and they can believe in him and repent from their sins, confess their faith, be baptized, and they can go to heaven. We are to shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go. 
I think of us as kind of like the moon. The moon doesn't, have, doesn't give off light of its own. The moon is not a light source. But rather, the moon reflects the light of the S-U-N, the sun. The light of the sun hits the moon. It reflects it and fills the... It's cool, you know, when you're... Uh, even on a cold winter's night, we've had enough of those. On a cold winter's night, when there's snow on the ground and the moon is full, and it, and it just it's, it's almost as bright as daylight outside. It's so light outside. It's reflecting the light of the sun. As Christians, we need to be like the moon. We need to reflect the light of the S-O-N, the Son of God. That's the sun whose light we need to reflect. Because in the Bible, it calls Jesus the light of the world. And then he turns around and says that we are the light of the world. I look out here this morning. I look at you and I see this room. I see a room full of lights. One of, my, one of the highlights of my year is the uh, Christmas Eve service that we do here at GFCC. Now, Christmas Eve, we get together at 6 o'clock. We sing a bunch of Christmas carols. I preach a short message. And then we end the night by lighting candles. All the lights are out. And everybody has a candle. And we all hold candles. And we sing Joy to the World. It's really cool. And the room goes from being very dark to being very bright. And, and it's just a reminder that we are the light of the world. Then we need to go and shine our lights in the darkness. Because when you're in the darkness, you're lost, and it's impossible to see. Have you ever been in a cave? Gone into a cave, like Mammoth Cave or something like that, and they, they'll turn the lights out? How dark is it in there? It's dark. Really, really dark. Or maybe, um, you know, one of the things that happens when, you, when you're in the dark, let's say you get up in the middle of the night, you've got to get a drink of water or something, or hear a kid crying or something like that. And so you get up in the middle of the night to go take care of something, and and it's dark, you know, and you're half asleep, you're kind of groggy, and you're walking along, and all of a sudden, ping. That is the instant that before the neurons travel from your pinky toe that you just stubbed to your brain, that you go, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. And you stub that pinky toe in the dark, and you just, just tears shoot out your eyes. And you just roll around on the floor going, oh, no, 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 no. I've done it. I've seen my son do it. It's the saddest thing in the world. Can I kiss? I'm not going to kiss it and make it feel better. That's your pinky toe. But when you stub your toe in the darkness, it hurts. You're half asleep, and you're in incredible pain. And there are people in our world who are walking in the darkness and stubbing their pinky toes, and even worse, they're dying in the darkness of their sins. They're going to spend hell, uh, eternity in hell because they don't know Jesus. Because the light hasn't been shined into their world. And whose fault is that? It's our fault. If we will not shine the light in the darkness, people will not see the light. And if they don't see the light, they'll never find their way home. They'll never find their way to heaven. That is our job. That is our mission. That is our purpose, to help people follow Jesus, because Jesus is the light, and he has entrusted us with the light, to shine the light in the darkness. Yet we're too lazy, or we're too content, or we're too afraid to shine our lights. You know, we sing the song as little kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? But what do we do when we get to be adults? Hide it under a bushel. Yes. No. We're not supposed to do that. We don't hide it under a bushel bowl. 
We need to impact the world through the message of the gospel, through our actions. Jesus is the light of the world, and he is revealed in the gospel. People need to see his light, and they need to experience his love in action. They need to see the evidence of his love from his followers. And we shine him. We shine his light. Because there are billions of people stumbling in the darkness, unaware that they are on the way to destruction. They need the light to find their way out of the darkness. And we've got the light. He has entrusted us with the light. I, got, I have two challenges for you this morning. The first challenge is this. Live differently. I'm not talking about just living differently than you're living now. Live differently than the people around you. Live differently than the world around you. Be different so you can be a difference maker. Be different so you can be a difference maker. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed and then be a transformer. Not like the toy transformer. Be a transformer, someone who transforms and changes the world. We need to impact the world more than we are being impacted. And the second challenge is to share the message. Not just to share it with words, but to share it in, with our actions. We need to live out our faith every day. You see, my friends, the time for revolution is now. This is the New Year's revolution to be the church, to be salt, to be light, and to be the church.